Section 5 of What She Said and What She Meant and People Who Haven't Time and Can't Afford It by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. What She Said and What She Meant, Chapter 5 The Conclusion of the Whole Matter. Mrs. Truman, do you mean to suppose? Mr. Belden, I mean, I know that your own words are the starting point. Out of your own mouth will I condemn you. Listen, didn't you, once upon a time, in Mrs. Marx's parlor, say that Mr. Peterson had a remarkable way of managing matters as related to the salary, a way peculiar to himself so far as you knew? Why, I dare say I may have used just that language. But, my dear madame, Mrs. Marx and every one of our congregation knows just what I meant. They have heard a dozen times over that when there has been an empty treasury on quarter day, Mr. Peterson writes out his check and sends it to me, precisely as though the treasury was full, and that when there has been a deficit of the year's account, his hand has invariably gone into his pocket and made it straight. These things are no secrets. I can't help it. I am ready to prove to you in court, if you really want me to, that this is the original ball, and that the monster unravels down to it. That is, you have a piece of it. But didn't you further say, on that same unfortunate evening, that Mr. Peterson possessed a dangerous talent in his ability to imitate even the most peculiar handwriting, and that you had known men as high in position, and apparently as strong in character as he, ruined in the moment of temptation by such a talent? i yes i certainly did make that remark i remember it but then what of that how was it possible to make anything of such a common statement why it rolled i tell you and rolled and grew bigger and bigger and was in a fair way never to end what with your meekness and the world's impishness but you have the facts as sure as i am mrs frank truman and i can give you the unwindings at this point mrs belden made her first remark what could have made mrs marks so cruel we have never offended her or injured her surely mrs truman turned to her quickly my dear mrs belden there never was a more amazed woman than this same mrs marks she hadn't an idea that she started this ball she repeated a word or two that your husband said according to her abominable fashion then she retired behind mystery and hints. Mr. Belden had known some very strange things to occur in his day. Mr. Peterson was only human. There were temptations in his line of business that were peculiar. He had full control of the salary, and it was managed in an unusual manner. Mr. Belden said so himself. Can't you hear the woman? Then the Petersons got hold of the ball, after it had rolled just a little further. It appeared to them in the form of a grave hint of possible errors in management, and a fear of temptations too strong to be resisted. Naturally, they didn't like it, but for fear of making trouble in the church, injuring the cause, and all that sort of stuff, they simply kept still and grew hurt and dignified over it, instead of coming directly to you as they ought." I hope I shall never be so overburdened with a fear of doing injury to the cause that I shall take leave of my common sense. 
but then mr belden where are you going i am not half through i'm going to mr peterson's office said mr belden reaching for his hat and making long strides across the hall just where you ought to have gone two months ago called out mrs truman after him as the gate clicked in the lock in fact said that same brisk lady not long afterward as she laughingly closed the account of some household matters to a special friend of hers who with her husband was taking tea with the trumans i have my family reconstructed on a basis that is very pleasant what with hattie phillips upstairs ready to sew on buttons and strings and darn and hem and tuck and pull all sorts of wrong things right and jenny andrews in the kitchen to look after matters generally in a way that she understands i am a woman of comparative leisure and unbounded satisfaction was that jenny andrews who waited on table yes isn't she neat and skilful and pretty she is a grand girl i feel sometimes as though i ought to send poor mrs streeter a note of thanks for discharging her was there any foundation for that wretched story which they had about her why yes there was foundation if you can make the story stand on it the poor child was engaged to marry a man who proved worthless deserting her on the very night when the marriage was to have taken place and a great deal of cross-questioning drew from mrs marks with whom the story started the fact that she feared he would be hanging around and give mrs streeter trouble that's the foundation don't you wonder the building reached such large proportions i tell you i feel enraged when i think of the way that woman talks and looks and exclaims only think of the commotion she has raised in this town during the last few months why the peterson trouble would have ruined the church in a little while if our minister hadn't had the sense to go directly to mr peterson and demand an explanation of the whole thing it would have gone on seething and boiling until we should have had an explosion as it is there are those who will always believe that something was wrong somehow with somebody mrs marks didn't mean it she never means anything and that feature of her case provokes me as much as any it makes her so invulnerable she doesn't recognize her own stories when they come to her afterward she looks at them as a creation which she had nothing to do but she gives them a lift just as she did this one with a few such indefatigable helpers as mrs eastman such a woman can accomplish wonders and be composed and charitable all the time why dr nellis says some people look at him yet as though he were a dangerous creature and it was wonderful in mrs decker to endure his presence all because mrs mark supposed him to be the attending physician when the deckers lost their child and thought the associations connected with him ought to have been too painful for them to have had anything more to do with him that was all she meant she told me so and you know how it grew as it travelled but i think the saddest thing is that story about mr decker i never understood how that could have been shadowed by a foundation is it possible that you have never heard why that indefatigable mrs marks exclaimed and owed over his sickness didn't wonder at it you know 
and then strung half a dozen sentences about something else on to that, as though they belonged, and away it flew. What she meant was that she had taken dinner with him a few days before, and he had mixed acids and sweets in such an abominable manner, that she had felt sure at the time that no human stomach could endure it. Wasn't that a remarkable beginning for such a terrible conclusion? Why, there was never anybody who believed the atrocious story less than the woman who started it. When I confronted her with it, she was utterly dumbfounded. What troubles me is, how is anybody to be safe from such tongues? Why, it wouldn't take more than a half hour to ruin the reputation of any one of us at that rate. I tell you, the truth is disagreeable sometimes, but hints and shrugs and exclamation points and lifted eyebrows and ominous silences are infamous. I'd engage to make out a case of murder in the first degree with a few such aids. Mrs. Marks is a perfect adept in their use, and the woman talks in such a virtuous way about the sin of gossiping that it is enough to drive one distracted. Why, in that regular combat that I had with her, though I was as plain-spoken as a mortal could be, I didn't succeed in making her more than half believe that she herself was at fault. To be sure, she had an idiotic world to back her, to repeat and increase all she said, and interpret her signs to suit their silly selves. But she always will have those aids, and she will go right on making mischief, and never discover that she is doing it, or recognize her own stories when they are brought to her. "'The woman needs a dose of reconstructed golden rule to digest.' said Mr. Truman, as he folded his napkin. His wife paused in her talk long enough to bestow a puzzled look on him, and at last asked, "'Frank, what do you mean?' "'Why, if she had a taste of whatsoever I say about others, even so will they say about me, it might teach her a wholesome lesson or two. "'Oh, I comprehend. I wish with all my heart she could have such a lesson.' if it were not too severe. For really, the composed way in which she used up Hattie Phillips, because she made her dress too short-waisted, is simply dreadful. And then the most exasperating feature of it is that she actually takes credit to herself for not having told of it, when what she said, or rather what she didn't say, was infinitely worse." From this outburst started the talk that developed finally into a plan that was arranged with many bursts of laughter, and resulted in the two couples issuing from the Truman Mansion in the course of the evening, ready to make a social call on Mrs. Marks. As they were intimately acquainted with that lady, and occasionally spent an evening with her, their arrival awakened no surprise. The first lull that occurred after the general preliminaries to conversation had been attended to, Mr. Truman, with a peculiar little ahem, that notified the rest of the company to watch for something special, asked if Mr. Marks was expected home soon, and added, "'That is a very disagreeable circumstance connected with his business, isn't it? I was very sorry for him when I heard of it.' Instant alarm overspread Mrs. Marks's face as she eagerly questioned, "'What circumstance? Has anything happened?' 
oh nothing new nothing but what you are well acquainted with of course i was only thinking how hard it was for businessmen to weather such troubles but i hope he will get through all right then mrs watson mrs marks your daughter alice has her share of trouble doesn't she i really don't see how she bears up under it so well it is ridiculous to make light of such peculiar troubles but some people have no feeling then mr watson yes indeed i think she is to be pitied and you too mrs marks a mother suffers so much under such circumstances it is a wonder that you endure it and look as well as you do then mrs truman and in view of the peculiar circumstances by which you are to be surrounded next week that of course will add to your perplexities i declare you have my sympathies each of these sentences had followed each other in such rapid succession that mrs marks whose face had been growing more and more disturbed and finally frightened now interrupted mr truman just as he was commencing with for my part i think mr marks has with the eager and anxious exclamation what in the world do you all mean for mercy's sake speak out plainly and tell me what you are talking about i haven't the least idea what has happened i am not in any affliction nor are my circumstances peculiar so far as i know you must be insane or else you know something about my affairs that i do not now what do you mean her answer was peal on peal of laughter so utterly uncontrollable and so heartily joined in by each one that it is hardly a wonder that mrs marks's face darkened with perplexity not only but with indignation really she began this is extraordinary what am i mr truman interrupted her my dear madam we ought to beg your pardon for frightening you but if you will reflect a moment what have we said after all that should cause you any disturbance there really has not been a single statement made as yet and our talk may mean anything or nothing may it not just as you pleased to interpret it is this a practical joke asked mrs marks with an effort to be composed or did you come here to insult me then mrs truman interposed dear mrs marks we have no intention of insulting you we beg your pardon for laughing but it was funnier than we thought it was going to be don't you remember in the conversation that i had with you a few weeks ago you declared that no statement which you had made so far as you could see was sufficient to have caused any one trouble or even anxiety that you were at perfect liberty to refer to a circumstance and yet not explain what you were thinking of if you chose and no harm could result unless one were intentionally malicious to prove to you how mistaken this idea is we propose to refer to certain circumstances connected with you not to a third party you know but directly to your face and see what your impression would be now in point of fact mr truman in speaking of your husband refers simply to the heavy loss sustained six months ago through the failure of barnes and burton it was certainly disagreeable and business men often find it hard to weather such troubles 
and that was all mr truman said and yet my dear friend did you get any sort of an idea what he meant and i said mrs watson meant nothing in the world but the fact that you told me yourself about poor alice having been kept awake with the toothache every night for a week if that isn't trouble i don't know what is to be sure i didn't say anything about toothache but then i meant that and i meant said mr watson that i didn't see how you bore being broken of your rest so much and it's a fact i don't mrs truman chimed in again and mrs marks i referred if you remember to the peculiar circumstances by which you are to be surrounded next week aren't house painters and two dressmakers trials enough for one week to merit the term peculiar you told me yourself about them and that is all i meant but how were you to know it you are to remember that mrs marks was a sensible woman a woman who meant right to say that she was not indignant to the very verge of endurance with her collars would but too faintly express her state of mind and yet she really had received a lesson such as a week of mere talking would not have shown her it began to dawn upon her that the manner of conversation of this insane party was strikingly like her own when she felt a desire to give some item of news and yet decided that she would better not and yet could not or did not resist the temptation to throw a tinge of mystery around her story she sat looking thoughtfully from one to the other of her guests reflecting whether she should in a dignified manner ask them to be kind enough to retire and leave her in quiet possession of her own house or own that she was severely and richly rebuked they on their part were waiting for the result in no little anxiety for now that the excitement of the thing was passing they began to realize that it was a severe practical test of her pride and they were not practical jokers by profession indeed an eager desire to prevent mischief in the future had impelled them mrs truman had intentionally woven into the plan certain phrases such as peculiar circumstances and the like which mrs marks had been in the habit of constantly using they had been recognized and almost against her will that woman had been led to go over rapidly with certain conversation in which she had indulged she realized as she had never done before how fraught with meaning her ambiguous phrases might have sounded all this passed rapidly through her mind and though her pride was stung to the quick and her indignation was great she did what was perhaps the best thing to be done under the circumstances she laughed at the first outburst of this nature her callers joined and the laugh became full and uncontrolled mrs marx's very first words after the laugh had subsided were words of wisdom behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth she said slowly and thoughtfully the tongue is a fire a world of iniquity quoted mrs truman how true this is i tell you our tongues need closer looking after than any other part of us 
i feel the force of my own temptations in this direction as i have never done before she bore it splendidly said the callers as they trooped home an hour afterward having eaten apples and nuts in mrs marks's best parlor and departed on better terms with her than they ever had been before feeling a degree of respect for her that all her prudence and charity and foresight had never been able to evolve for mrs marks had by that first laugh routed satan and he slunk away feeling himself vanquished since she would not be angry even under those circumstances that battle was lost splendidly repeated mr truman she is a better woman than i ever thought her i'll own up now that i never believed her habit of using her tongue to be so free from malicious intent as it evidently is nor i said his wife i had serious doubts and they made me dislike her i thought even her professions of charity etc were affectations but i was evidently mistaken in her on the whole i feel meeker to-night than i have in a good while i guess i have been looking down from a serene height on mrs marks and her clique but there are more ways than one of entertaining satan now i should have ordered this entire party out of my house and invited them never to come again if they had talked to me as we did to her to-night bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfil the law of christ quoted mr truman thoughtfully as he applied his night key a careless use of her tongue is evidently one of mrs marks's burdens and i guess we ought to have tried to help her instead of contenting ourselves with criticizing her End of section 5. End of what she said and what she meant.